0: This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad.
1: Have you ever had chicken pox in your mouth? That was a question Steve Forbes asked during his press availability earlier today. And to explain how we arrived at that place, I think there needs to be some backstory that I actually think is pretty interesting when you look at what Wake Forest basketball has been since Coach Forbes took took over. So glad to have you here on a Tuesday drive, however, and wherever you're listening. We'll get to Duke's game tonight against Pittsburgh in a bit. I really do feel Coach Forbes, even though he hasn't won an ACC game yet, losing his first five, and has a depleted roster, was already expected to be one of the worst teams of the ACC this year, I think he's earned a ton of respect for the way Wake Forest has played over the last couple of weeks. I'm on all these Zoom calls. I've gone to the last couple of games, and I've spoken to some really good coaches. Chris Mack, Coach K., Mike Young, all of them have spoken really highly about Coach Forbes noting one specific thing. Nobody has dealt with more than what Coach Forbes has been handed this year. That speaks to his character. It speaks to his principles. That's what shined in the first month or two of this Wake basketball season. That's what shined the most. He's not going to make excuses. Coaches say that all the time. We're going to be a program that never makes excuses. Few follow up on that, though. There are some, maybe a blue-clad team in the bluegrass state that has a coach that rhymes with Powell says that they're not going to make excuses, then goes on to make excuses when things go south for their team. But Coach Forbes has not taken that path, despite the fact you lose Chandy Brown and Olivier Sar, and you have by far the worst start to a conference season in terms of opponents you have to face, four consecutive ranked teams, and then North Carolina and Chapel Hill. If there's any coach that has room to make excuses, it's the one that lost the entire month of December due to having players test positive for COVID. Chief among them, a guy who was the standout the first two games the Deacons played who now is out for the remainder of the season in Tariq Ingram. Nobody's been dealt a worse hand than Steve Forbes. And the way he's handled things has impressed coaches across the league. Hall of Fame coaches like Roy Williams. So I asked Roy yesterday on the ACC teleconference what he's made of... Coach Forbes start in Winston-Salem, and this is what he had to say.
2: I don't think anybody's had the challenges that Steve has had, and he's just done an amazing job uh, with that and getting his club there in every game. And I think that uh, it's a testament to his philosophy and how his personality fits in with that philosophy of working hard, trying to cover everything. And I think that uh, uh, they, I think he has. He's done an amazing job.
1: Okay, so how did we get the chicken pox, Josh? Get to the point here. I took that answer from Roy and presented it to Coach Forbes earlier today, expecting him to say, yeah, it's been brutal what we're dealing with. It's awful that we lost a month in December. We're playing unbelievable competition in the league. This is my first year on the job. I am the only coach in a power league that's taken a job last cycle. It is really hard. Rather than saying that, rather than making excuses, he added some levity, as he often does, and put the COVID circumstances Wake Forest is currently dealing with in perspective.
2: Well, my second year, or first year as a head coach, I got chicken pox. Um, when I, at the end of the season, my mom thought I had chicken pox when I was a kid. but She obviously lied to me. And when my daughter, my newborn got it, I stayed home with her. Let me just tell you something, boys. As an adult, you never want to get chicken pox, all right? And so I missed the last two weeks of the season. and I came back for the last game and got tossed. I was in a very good mood. Have you ever had chicken pox in your mouth? Yeah, okay, well, I have.
1: I know it's worse to have chicken pox as an adult than to have it as a child. Why is that, though? Why is it worse to have chicken pox as an adult, Robert?
0: I don't know. Maybe because maybe it's simply we didn't, like when you're a kid, you're not really going to remember how bad that pain is. But when you're an adult, you have things to do. You have to go to work. You have to make food. You have to take a shower. And you don't have really have time to do oatmeal baths in the middle of that. So maybe that's part of it. If
1: you have any thoughts on Steve Forbes and Wake, or if you know what it's like to have chicken pox in your mouth, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. I've been pretty clear. One of the hottest takes I've had on this show, one of my strongest stances that is just unpopular to those who listen, is that I'm not a big fan of the movie Remember the Titans. But there is a scene that sticks out. Is it Julius, Robert? Is that the name of the character? And Gary Bertier, the two linebackers on that defense? Left side, strong side! (laughs) Yeah, that works. Yeah, it's Julius. There's the scene where they're coming together, trying to figure out how to come together as one as a team, where Gary Bertier says... Julius's attitude is terrible and Julius responded by saying attitude reflects leadership that was in a negative sense for the Titans at that point in camp but for Wake Forest I think it's a really positive thing that you've seen if you've been watching this team closely the resilience on the floor is a reflection of coaching I covered the last two years of Danny Manning I watched it from afar before that. I've been watching ACC basketball my whole life. And there were just nights you knew Wake Forest wasn't into it. There were just nights that the Demon Deacons, they weren't going to win and they knew it. And there was no energy on the floor. I don't know if it was his last year at Wake. In fact, I think it was the year before that. That Wake Forest, in fact, I know it. This is the 2019 season. Where Wake Forest fell behind, I think 19 to nothing to Carolina. Wake Forest had no energy on its bench. Jalen Horde he he showed up late to shoot around, didn't start in the game. That was the state of Wake basketball. Now, even without fans to energize things at home, because players, especially between 18 to 22, non-professionals, they really gravitate from energy in the building. Even without that, the Deacons have been energized in a way I hadn't seen this program energized in the last few years of Danny Manning's tenure. You're talking about being down 16 points to a Louisville team that nobody thinks you can beat, then going on an 18-3 run to cut the lead to one. Against Duke with 13 minutes left to go, Wake's leading that game. Facing Virginia Tech the other night, they went on the second-half run and... They're within one or two points against the Hokies. The effort, it's infectious, it's noticeable, it's different. And it's a testament to what Steve Forbes has done. Because if any team has the right to relent, it's the team that's lost players due to COVID for the season. It's the team that was already supposed to be bad, that has a first-year coach that they don't know quite as well players who were not recruited by that coach, who didn't commit to that coach, who has the worst gauntlet of games to start things out that lost a month. They haven't relented. They've played incredibly hard. Isaiah musius he's getting shots up after a game. I've been so impressed by just the manner in which Wake has carried itself, and that's a reflection of coaching. They're not going to win tomorrow. North Carolina, their bigs are too good Wake is too small in the post. Probably the worst matchup that Wake Forest will face this year. But after that, it's a pretty favorable stretch. Following this stretch we just watched, where Wake played four teams ranked in the AP Top 25, they're getting set to face six straight opponents who are unranked. A week after tomorrow, they have a week off. They face NC State, Miami, Notre Dame, Pitt, Boston College. I think there are some wins in there because Wake is going to be battling. Steve Forbes is going to try to get his first conference win. But even though he hasn't gotten that first win yet, he's earned respect in that room of Hall of Famers, in that room of the elite in college basketball and the ACC. I want to shift things to tonight's game with a big-time stat here, a fascinating stat, a mind-blowing stat regarding Coach K. Coach K is going up against his former assistant, Jeff Capel, tonight. Jeff Capel, two years ago, became the 15th former Coach K assistant to become a D1 head coach. Out of those 15 assistants, only one has ever beaten Coach K when they met head-to-head. That was Mike Bray, who surprisingly actually won five of his first six meetings with Duke when Notre Dame came into the ACC. Jeff Capel, this is his best shot against Coach K tonight. But the most mind-blowing piece of that stat as well, Coach K, he's won 10 straight games against his former assistants. He's 30-5 as an overall record, 17-1 in games played at Cameron. Fortunately for Capel, no fans if you go to Cameron, but tonight's game's going to be in the Oakland Zoo in Pittsburgh. Capel's 0-2. He's trying to change that tonight. And I think he has a pretty good chance of winning. I'm not going to say Pitt's going to beat Duke. But it's time to start paying attention to what the Pitt Panthers are doing. 7-2 and two overall. 3-1 and one in the ACC. Their only loss was to Louisville. And when they lost to Louisville, they were without their best player, Justin Champenny Champenny returned against Syracuse, and he was terrific. 24 points. 16 boards. Capel, he stepped up his recruiting game when he went from Duke to Pitt. He was a part of Capel's second recruiting class, so he is a sophomore now. But even though Champenny gets all the attention, don't forget about the two upperclassmen, the juniors who were a part of that first Capel class, who right now are averaging over 15 a game. All these Tony and Xavier Johnson. This is going to be Duke's first full game uh, with uh, a full deck in over a month. Jaylen Johnson played a little bit against Virginia Tech, but not a lot. It was sparingly. Patrick Tate returned to practice according to coach the other day. It'll be interesting to see whether Duke looks like Florida State after a layoff against NC State dropping 105, or if they look like Clemson getting beat by 35 at home. Uh this past weekend against Virginia. Check this
3: out. We're on
0: in five. This is The Drive with Josh Graham.
1: Okay, let's get
0: this show rolling. On Sports Hub Triad.
1: I imagine our next guest is drowning right now. The Hurricanes... They started their season in the last week. They won last night against the Predators. They're 2-1. Then we learned earlier today that the Hurricanes game with the Nashville Predators tonight is postponed. And as we talk to you right now, players are being added to the NHL's COVID list. To give us the latest on all of this, Sarah Sivian now joins us from The Athletic for an edition, the first edition of 2021, of Pucks and Tweets with Sarah Sivian. Sarah, before we get to the tweets, I just feel obligated to start. What's the absolute latest you have for us updating the hurricane's COVID situation?
4: Josh, I was literally mid-tweet when I got the call from the station, and I'm like, who is calling me at a time like this? And then I completely forgot and then completely remembered that I agreed to do the radio with you <laughs> earlier today. All right, read the tweet time.
1: right now. It's perfect. I mean, goodness, we're talking about pucks and tweets with Sarah. She's about to send a tweet out. Hurricanes fans, they're dying to hear what the tweet is saying. What does the half-finished tweet say?
4: Warren Fogle, George Martinup, Jacob Slavin, and Table Taravainen were added to the NHL's COVID-19 list. Important to remember, this isn't a COVID positive list, but this is a, (laughs) I think at the suspenseful time. But it's a list of, I would say, it's a list of people that have been in contact with anybody on the hurricanes who has tested positive for COVID for an extended period of time. And my source tells me at least three people from the hurricanes have tested positive, not including Jordan Stahl, who is already on protocol.
1: Okay, so... That's an important thing to remember, I guess since yeah. technically this is a tweet that you're sending out. this is you getting getting reaction to a tweet of yours um the all the players on this list mm-hmm. all of them might have covid, maybe just one might have covid, maybe even yeah. none if it's a tier one employee that tested positive, and there's contact tracing involved, but you're being told that three players have tested positive,
4: yeah. Yes, yeah, and not including Jordan Saul who did test positive but was put into protocol.
1: Okay, Sarah Sivian on Twitter at Sarah Sivian. She tweeted out this in the last month: "In this life, you're either you either crank that soldier boy, or it cranks you."
4: Yeah, that used to be um, my like Tinder profile, and then I thought about it and thought it was so funny again, so I had to tweet it out because I don't have Tinder anymore, but. It's true. It's inspirational, and it makes you think.
1: What's the best response you got to the Tinder profile caption of, in this life you either crank that soldier boy or it cranks you?
4: Um, God, I don't. that was college. That was a, a blurrier time than this. Okay. I don't remember the best response. They were all pretty bad because men are not very smooth, I think.
1: We've learned that with the story... That circling with the Mets that maybe we can get to at the end of this in the short sample size what a we've,
4: transition
1: yes in the short sample size we've had to watch this Canes team and admittedly I'll acknowledge that on the front end it is a small sample it's three games and they hadn't played in a very long time before that what are some cle- clear areas you've already identified improvement?
4: Can you repeat the question? Sorry.
1: No problem. When you look at areas of improvement for the Canes, given it's okay. a short sample size, it's only three games, and we acknowledge that, are there areas you're already comfortable saying the Canes have improved in? I
4: mean, Andres bechnikov's growth into an even better player than we thought he was. I don't know. Like, it's hard to put that into words, but you know when you see someone kind of take over a game and you're like, that is a special kid. That's how I feel about Andre Svechnikov. Like, this, what strikes me the most is his versatility, right? Like, he can set up a play, like, go full, like, into the net, and then it'll end up being an assist, like on Ajo in the two-on-one yesterday. But then at the same time, he can do a laser from the circle on the power play, like, you never know what's up his sleeve, and I say he improved on that, especially, like, not being on the first line all the time.
1: On Twitter, at Sarah Sivian, enjoying a nightcap while blasting lips of an angel by Hinder in my living room alone at 10.05 on a Saturday night.
4: Um, There were some rough times in the past month that, you know what? We got to get through the COVID holidays the best we can. For me, it's banging the classics as loud as possible and drinking alone. So,
1: Robert, do you remember in Greenville the time I sang Lips by an Angel by Hinder at karaoke? Actually,
0: no. I drank enough that night to block that out of my memory for the rest of my life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All
1: you need to do is hit that one note. It's really good to hear you. That's it's. <laughs> That is the (laughs) book. It is a really 2000s sound. Like, if you just want to sum up 2000s punk (laughs) music, all you got to say is, wow, wow. That's essentially it. I Uh, love it. I live for it. uh, I got to ask you this. Uh, We haven't spoken in a while. You've spent a lot of time in Winston-Salem. So, I'm just interested (laughs) in what the highlight of Winston-Salem has been for you thus far.
4: It's sad that, yes, my boyfriend lives there. That's why I'm there. He's on the Thunderbirds. Go Thunderbirds, but. Go Birds, go. We don't do anything because we respect COVID. And as the Canes have shown us that they obviously do too, but like it doesn't matter how like great you are at following the protocols. Like it's such a contagious thing that we have just been hanging out at his house. And that's been the highlight of Winston to me. I wish. I could explore more, and I will the second I get vaccinated. But until then, nothing.
1: <laughs> Let's use your boyfriend on the Thunderbirds as a transition here. On Twitter at Sarah Sivian, my boyfriend just told me I would <laughs> I would love a character in a TV show because he's just drunk and doesn't take care of his kids. Yep, and
4: unfortunately. He was right, yeah. Frank from Shameless. I love Shameless, and I think Frank's hilarious. I'm not saying that's who I'll become because I don't want kids to begin with, but that's why. So
1: There is a prominent ACC basketball coach who has texted me about Frank from Shameless as well, telling me that I need to see that show. So Frank from Shameless yeah, getting a lot of love here on this show. I don't mean to close what's always a lot of fun on a, a sadder note or a more somber note, but the Met story I read from last night, it's a massive bummer. It has me thinking about privilege in the way that I, I work in a male-dominated field as a male, and I never have to worry about, in any type of professionally linked context, of having lewd messages sent my way unsolicited and the thing that bummed me out the most is that the woman involved we don't know her name and she didn't want her name she didn't want the story published years ago because she was fearful for her job and being able to do what she loved doing simply because this man who rose in power to become the general manager of the Mets didn't know how to read signs or just didn't care and sent 62 consecutive messages, culminating in a bare penis being sent her way. Sarah, I'll give you the floor to take this in whatever direction you want to. What is something, what might most sports fans not understand about what it's like to cover sports in a male-dominated industry?
4: I would say that, like you said, she didn't post her name and it's that she didn't need to post her name because that could have been any woman in sports. Like every single, maybe people want to say not all men. And yeah, that's true. Not all men are monsters. I'm dating one. I have a father, like I love them both, but yes, every woman has experienced something like this in a male dominated field. Every single one I've ever talked to, including myself. And I consider myself lucky that it happened at the beginning of my career when I had nothing to lose. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to talk about the situation and see what happens, but it's still the stress. It puts you under other than just having to do your job. You also have to worry about if something's going to come out that you didn't even ask for. And then the onus is on you. And especially with a power dynamic like that, like obviously, I don't know. It kind of, I was kind of optimistic with like how he immediately got fired and how back in the day I'd be inclined to say even like, a year and a half ago, I'd say, oh, he gets to keep his job and she gets fired, but the glimmer of hope is that he got fired, and I don't know where she is now, but I hope she's enjoying that.
1: Yes, it's a great point you bring up, that even just a few years ago, pre-Me Too, it's he says, she says, it's, mm-hmm. well, what was she was, what she was asking for, what was she wearing, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, in this circumstance, what yeah. does give me hope as well, is that this story from Jeff Passan and ESPN published at 11 o'clock last night, and before 8 a.m. this morning, the guy is fired. That doesn't happen. Yeah, no, that
4: really made me kind of optimistic about where we're headed. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, and it's he said, she said, whatever, but a lot of the times these situations happen and women don't want to come forward because of the stress and the drama, but that being dealt with like that is encouraging because I know that there are so many more stories that don't see the light of day because people are rightfully scared for their own jobs, their own mental health. But that was very, very important to me.
1: I'll share some more tweets the next time you join us since hockey season has just started on Twitter at Sarah Sivian, shoot her a follow, read her stuff in the athletic. Thank you so much for being with us on what I'm sure is a really busy day, Sarah.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't when I agreed to this, I got to say, Josh, but anytime still.
1: There you go. That's Sarah Sivian. She's the best. On Twitter, at Sarah Sivian from The Athletic. One,
0: two, three. You're on the air. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. One more time. In about 15
1: minutes... You'll hear one of the most entertaining press conferences I've maybe ever watched or seen from a guy I think is becoming North Carolina's version of what Mike Leach has been in college football for about two decades. We'll get to that again in about 15 minutes, but I want to talk about this story I read at The Athletic. A UNC pickup game, Barack Obama and the walk-on who won it led up a story about this much talked about pickup game that then Senator Barack Obama had with North Carolina back in two thousand and eight. I heard a lot about this pickup game without learning any specific details that are now available in this story that our next guest Brendan marks wrote he joins us from the athletics each uh, the athletic each week on Twitter at Brendan R marks but what I took away from this story, Brendan, is that all these following stories we saw throughout the uh, the Obama administration regarding North Carolina athletics and college basketball seem to be linked and go back to that day in 2008 whether you talk about Dean Smith being given uh, the congressional medal of freedom uh, S- uh, president Obama after his uh, presidency had ended going to the Duke Carolina game where Zion blew out his shoe in 2019 and there are other instances as well that you noted that I just quite frankly didn't know about do you believe that this pickup game was the start of a relationship between Tar Heel basketball and someone who ended up being the president of the United States yeah
3: Josh I do and you know to to hear it from the guys who were there at the time and and really to hear it especially from Roy Williams who obviously was there um, played such a, a big role in sort of a okaying the the game with uh, then Senator Obama in the first place, and, and he's still there. To hear it from him, I mean, it, it's almost like he and Obama have gotten to be buddies by now. And uh, you know, I think one of my favorite parts of that story is is nothing to do with basketball whatsoever. It's um, leaving the Duke uh, the leaving the Duke game that President Obama was at in 2019, the Zion shoot game. Uh, Roy Williams sort of puts a birdie in, in Barack Obama's ear and says, you know, if you ever, if you ever looking to play golf and need someone, you know, I, I can make myself available. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the tale of them sort of, uh, making that happen I thought was super fun and interesting. But yeah, it all clearly stems back to this one time and, You know, I think it speaks as much to President Obama as it does speak to to Roy Williams, who's sort of the ambassador for that program. And um, clearly they're they're common souls in uh, many ways. They love sports. They love basketball. They love golf. Um, But at the same time, you know, I think that the way that UNC embraced President Obama, um, he obviously would go on to do much bigger and better things. But taking him in at that time, you know, making time for him, making him feel so welcome, giving him such a unique experience, um, I think the president you know, felt some sort of gratitude for that, and, and clearly it's requited and uh, has carried on to today.
1: What do we know about the golf outing between Coach Williams and the former president? Because I've talked to Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser about this, who golf with Obama often since they're in D.C. and Obama's a big sports fan. They do not talk about how the golf outings go. They do not talk about it publicly. What did you learn about the time that Roy golfed with Obama?
3: Yeah, so uh, it sounds like sort of the opposite situation of what you would think in basketball, where, you know, Obama would be sort of leading the way, and that was the case with the pickup game. He made it come together. This was the opposite. You know, this was Roy helping get it together, and then once they were out on the course, you know, Roy said Obama's about a 10 or 11 handicap, so... Um, you know, better than me, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but apparently, you know, they were playing a couple of Obama's aides and were playing so fast that they just sped right along, ended up playing 27 holes instead of just 18, and, and they won. So, um, you know, hard to get a ton more specifics than that, but uh, I know Coach Williams is quite the player. Um, but I'd imagine that the President Obama, if they were able to win and win so quickly, uh, the President probably had a pretty good afternoon too.
1: The story is a UNC pickup game, Barack Obama and the walk-on who won it let up. Brendan Marks wrote it, and he's with us here on Sports Hub Triad. You can find that at The Athletic. You're going to be keeping a close eye on Duke-Pitt tonight. And there seems to be two really interesting angles going into this game. There's the Pitt angle, and there's the Duke angle. Duke's angle being this is the first time Duke is at full strength in over a month. Jalen Johnson... Played against Virginia Tech, but sparingly. Now, as practice for a full week, Patrick Tape is expected to be available as well. Then, on the pit side, Brendan, I gave this stat out last segment, and it blows my mind that Coach K's had 15 former assistants go on to be Division I head coaches over the years. Only one has ever beaten him. That's Mike Bray, who has five wins against K. K's overall record. 30 wins, 5 losses against assistants. Jeff Capel's 0-2 against uh, Coach K. But he's got Justin Champinney back. 24 points, 16 boards against Syracuse. So the angle for Pitt is Jeff Capel has a shot at potentially beating Coach K for the first time and just becoming the second Coach K assistant to do so. And the other angles, Duke, looking like they're at full strength for the first time in a while. Which interests Brendan marks most? I, I think it's the
3: Duke angle strictly because I think that it's something that um, is going to pay dividends later on this season. So, um, you know, if if Capel is able to get a win tonight, and I think there's a chance that Pitt does. You know, Pitt is a good team. Um, champenny is is an ACC player of the year contender for a reason. I mean, the dude is, is just an absolute statistical monster. Um and Xavier Johnson and and Mr. Tony have been playing pretty well too. But I think it's the the Duke side of things for me, because I think that if Duke is able to show tonight what it looks like with its new look offense, and by new look I mean funneling things through Matthew Hurt and the two five-star freshman guards, Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart, um, if Duke's able to do that, which it's been doing in Jalen Johnson's absence, but also add Johnson in transition, make him – Uh, still a critical component of the game, and I'm sure that Coach K will. He said most of this week has been putting in new things and getting Jalen back up to speed. Um, I think we have a chance to see the Duke team that we've been waiting to see all season. You know, the team that Coach K's been waiting to see all season. Um, Duke was always going to be on sort of a slower learning curve this season because of the pandemic and so many new bodies and not being able to have a normal schedule, but... It feels like Duke has finally figured out who it wants to be and what it's capable of being. And I think that against a good Pitt team, with good Pitt players, against a good coach in um, this would sort of be something of a statement win for Duke. I know we wouldn't normally think of that when you're talking about Pitt, but um, that's the reality where we're at right now. So uh, I think that what we could learn about this Duke team tonight, if all goes well, Um, could be a signal of sort of an ascension for Duke that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks and and what I would expect to see in the next couple of weeks.
1: Great job on the Obama story, and I look forward to seeing what's going to come out of tonight's game, Duke and Pitt, North Carolina, and Wake Forest tomorrow at the Smith Center. Brendan's going to be all over it. Shoot him a follow again at Brendan R. Marks. We'll talk next week at this time, buddy.
3: Sounds good, Josh. Uh, Enjoy your athletic takeover today.
1: There you go. It's the athletic takeover as Sarah Sivian's going to be with us as well. That is our buddy, Brendan Marks. A much,
2: much, much, much better, better,
1: show, better, show, better show. The Drive with Josh Graham. One of the reasons I'm a big fan of our producer, Robert Walsh, is because Robert has an incredibly high standard in terms of quality of guests, quality of phone calls, quality of radio. Like, he'll be the first one to say that a call wasn't any good, that a guest didn't bring anything, and it would legitimately bother Robert if that happens. So, Robert, when you think of coaches, see, there's a lot of ass-kissing that happens when, in sports media, especially when you get into the smaller markets, because if you're not somebody that you know mooches in some kind of way, you're not going to get any access to these coaches and players the smaller that the market gets. You, how high would you grade Coach Forbes? How high would he be on your list among coaches that you enjoy having on the show? I
0: think he would have to be the, the top tier, like whatever that is set at. Coach K, Roy
1: Williams. Yeah, he
0: would he would probably Matt Rule. be far and away the most entertaining coach we have on our show.
1: I think he's becoming North Carolina's version of Mike Leach. You said that earlier and you hit it right on the head. It's perfect. You'd never know what you're going to get from his press conferences. Part of me for a period of time wanted to just listen to Mike Leach press conferences and run stuff every single week he talks extensively. But it didn't make much sense to be doing that in North Carolina when he's the head coach at Washington State and now at Mississippi State. But now that we have Coach Forbes here in the triad, part of me wants to just jump on these calls and not say a damn thing. See, I ask him about basketball and such, and it just devolves kind of like when we have him on the show. It devolves into other things being discussed. This morning was about as entertaining a press conference I've ever been a part of. And it should be noted that this happens following five straight losses for Wake basketball. Five straight losses for Wake. They're getting set for arguably their most difficult task to date going up uh, against the bigs of North Carolina tomorrow in the Smith Center. Yet Coach Forbes, he was all over the place. He was all over the place. I loved every minute of it. It was 40-plus minutes long. It was entertaining. I don't know if it's better to get to these with context or without it. So let's just start in the most basketball place where he was talking about preparing for the bigs at North Carolina by citing an example he faced in Kansas last year.
2: You know, I had that happen last year against uh, Asabuki. He looks like, uh, how many planets are there? Is there seven or nine? How many are there now? I don't know like 10, 9, he's like the 12th planet, okay? I've never – the guy is so big. Like, we fouled him. I felt bad. Like, he was taking our guys up into the basket and just dunking the ball with our guys hanging on him. Like, look, kind of like Shaq, maybe playing with some kindergartners.
1: I'm going to put you on the spot, Robert. How many planets are there in the solar system?
0: Uh, that's rough. I suck at this. Are we counting Pluto or not?
1: We'll count Pluto. Uh, I'll say nine. You are correct. Nine Yay, there we go. Nine planets in the solar system. You gotta be on your toes, man. You don't know if a question's gonna be coming your way. So just in that 30-second span, we've got planets, Azubuki, and comparing Azabuki facing his team to Shaq going up against kindergartners. All right, let's go. Here's Coach Forbes talking about Big Brother.
2: You know those little – we wear those chips called connect – what are they called, connecting or something? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I always tease the uh, – Greg Collins, our, uh, our trainer, always say, put that – that's that chip the government's uh, tracking me on. Give me that chip today so I can be tracked.
1: You ever fear Big Brother?
0: I don't have Alexa in my house for that exact reason.
1: Because you think the government's listening to the Alexa. Uh,
0: Somebody's listening. I don't know if it's Big Brother, but somebody's listening. I've
1: got two of those. By the way, if you want to listen to this show or our station on your smart device, all you got to say is, Alexa or Siri or Google, play Sports Hub Triad Radio. And that's how it will happen. So that's Coach Forbes. I'm not quite. As skeptical about big brother watching but those devices that they have you wear for safety reasons to know who you've been close to, contact tracing, etc. I don't know if I would be completely comfortable wearing that. What do we got next from Coach Forbes? Oh, this is him getting set for an in-state game. Okay? Coach Forbes, He hasn't had a chance to correspond much with fans outside of social media interaction. So I asked him whether or not he had a good gauge on how much Wake Forest playing North Carolina and playing NC State over the next week means to Wake Forest fans. And to express how well he understands local rivalries, he gave some examples he's run into in the past.
2: I was standing in the line at Danny's Fried Chicken my first year, getting me a couple pieces of chicken for lunch, and this little boy walked up and he said, Coach, you think you can go over there and beat Chipotle? And I said, well, I've been to Rupp Arena. I think I can handle going to Chipotle. I'm not going to be too scared of that. You know, um, you know, Boise State, Idaho, back in that – when I was at Idaho, that was a big game. I got hit with a baked potato one night. And they were throwing them at us as we were leaving the arena Um, because we won. That's a great feeling. I just would have had a little sour cream on it. It would have been nicer.
1: Why would you throw a baked potato versus an unbaked potato? Wouldn't it be more painful if it was an unbaked or non-baked potato?
0: I don't think they got that far. I think they just threw what they had. In that situation, like why do you
1: have a baked potato at a basketball game?
0: I mean it makes more sense than having a regular potato. You can eat a baked potato. you, you a regular potato. what are you gonna do with it? I, I brought this specifically to throw at Coach Forbes when they beat us. Like that makes no sense.
1: I, I buy the <laughs> baked potato. that would be it's just such a strange thing. I get potatoes are big in the potato state, but it's a strange thing to have served at a sporting event. Fries, yes. Mashed potatoes, no. That's strange, too. Baked potato? Who's saying, again, I don't want to underscore my understanding here of it is the potato state. But just because we're on Tobacco Road doesn't mean they're selling tobacco at all these games.
0: No, but you can get a barbecue sandwich at most basketball games, I would imagine.
1: You can get a barbecue sandwich at most basketball games. Let's close things out here. Because, again, we're not even playing the clip we had earlier where Coach Forbes asked, and I quote, Have you ever had chicken pox in your mouth? Well, I had. We're not even going to get to that, which speaks to this press conference being all over the place and wacky. I had people in the media text me about this. Whoa, this is crazy. This is great. I enjoy this. We really do. We hope it doesn't stop. I hope people know we're not making fun of Coach Forbes. We just enjoy the content. We enjoy somebody that has good comedic timing. And we also enjoy somebody that, when given examples in recruiting, brings up the names of media members, and in this case, your favorite sports talk radio host.
2: When I went out recruiting, I had two sets of glasses. Okay, These were my... East Tennessee State glasses, and then these other ones were my high major glasses. And so if I was watching a kid play, like Josh Graham, you know, great point guard, and he's out there just wheeling and dealing and playing great, and I say to myself, if I'm a high major, I'm going to recruit that kid. I'm I'm not going to waste my time in East Tennessee State unless I got a relationship. I'm not scared, but I'm also realistic.
1: Yeah. You should not waste your time trying to recruit me if you're at East Tennessee State come on now I get it if you had a relationship coach but you gotta be realistic the wheeling and dealing guard Josh Graham that's not something you want to mess with It's just a waste of time Robert
0: yeah you know that kid's gonna go to community college and light it up probably be a two-sport athlete
1: burn the hand burn the hand That's what I'm about here. Guilford College, sinking shots. Does Guilford College have a basketball team? I know they have soccer teams. They have a football team.
0: Uh, Let me see if they have basketball.
1: I I don't think there are many schools that have football and do not have basketball. Shouts to Guilford College. Greensboro College. Getting after it. Yeah, the Quakers?
0: They are the Quakers. They do have a basketball
1: team. Shout out. Shout out to the Quakers. And while we're giving shout-outs in Guilford County, shout-out to Wes Miller, who at 37 years old won his 100th game this week. And best of luck to High Point. See, the Panthers have had problems with COVID, have not played in the calendar year 2021 yet. Tonight will be their first game in three weeks to the day. They're set to play at Longwood Best of luck to High Point. Congrats to Wes Miller. Shouts to the Quakers! You've never seen me play basketball before. I think
0: I've seen you play... um, What's that? Papa Shot. That's the closest thing I've seen
1: you play basketball. Yeah, I was pretty good at Papa Shot, too. (laughs) Are we just playing
0: revisionist history now since we're in charge of it? That you were really good at trivia night, Papa Shot? Because I remember the opposite. I remember you weren't great at Papa shot. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Well, you might be misremembering. That's what alcohol do, Robert. It happens. Alcohol do that to you. Last night, I want to thank all the folks who joined us on Clubhouse. Broadening my horizons, Robert. I did a show that we still need to do a title for, figure out a title for. But we had a post-Bachelor show, and joining us on it was Amy Joss, the lead beat writer for the New Orleans Saints with NewOrleans.com or NOLA.com. We had Pittsburgh Steelers beat writer from ESPN, Brooke Pryor, join us. Some folks in Raleigh. It was great just getting to chop it up and talk about The Bachelor and talk about Matt James' season. Matt being a really entertaining follow on social media as these shows are going on. This is something that you might find interesting with the bachelor. He said last night that he never had a charcuterie board. He never he never had that even though he grew up in Raleigh wearing turtlenecks and went to Wake Forest.
0: Well, he was also playing games. So I mean it's kind of hard to to get on the the charcuterie boards. Mhm. <laughs> How did you say it? Say the charcuterie board. <laughs> It sounds like you're trying to do some Ninja Turtle move or something. Charcuterie board! That's what I need to defeat this enemy! My charcuterie board! How do you say it? Charcuterie
1: board. (laughs) Am I putting emphasis on the wrong word? Or on the the, wrong syllable? Just
0: the wrong sound. I I probably don't even say it right either, but my girlfriend knows how to say it, and you are not saying it like she does.
1: You just need to blend in, Robert, like, uh, (laughs) chameleon. That's what you need to do. That's how you work radio, man. Just blend in like a chameleon, bro. Uh, That's what you need to do. However, wherever you're listening, appreciate that. Make sure you're subscribed to the Best of Podcasts. Searching the drive with Josh Graham wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening that way already, well, we appreciate that as well. You are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. Those signals make up Sports of Dryad. Welcome to the show that cloned the Loch Ness Monster.
0: And got her drunk. The Drive with Josh Graham.
1: We'll get back to College Hoops in 15 minutes. Right now, what's kind of become a staple for this show? I'm pretty honest that one of my guilty pleasure TV shows has been The Bachelor and the Bachelorette for years. And I used to hide that. Don't let people find out you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or else they're going to make fun of you for it. But then I said, screw it. This is who I am. I love watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I think everybody has a guilty pleasure TV show that they care for. And last night, it was a really cool thing to put it out there. Hey, I want to talk about this show. Who else wants to do it? And a lot of people turned up saying, We like the show, too, and we'd love to talk about it in sports media, a place that's dominated. It's a male-dominated industry. Having men and women come together talking about this show just was a really fun thing to see there. And the joke was when we started doing this, hey, let's break this thing down like it's sports. I think it almost is a sport now. That's the way people watch it, too. So it started as a joke, but the more and more I got into it, The more and more I realize, oh, she got the first impression, Rose. Oh, she's getting a one-on-one. There is a lot of sporting elements to it that when you watch, you have similar rhythms to when you're watching sporting events. So we have the Bachelor Minute here. Matt James, former Demon Deacon, North Carolina guy, where we recap each episode each week. This is episode three of this season it's right here in our wheelhouse it's the bachelor minute
0: matt james is a hometown guy he's our guy and matt has one question for you will you accept this rose
3: yes yes yes
2: i'll have what she's having time now for the bachelor minute
1: He is a Demon Deacon. Been an entertaining follow on social media. What percentage, Robert, of Demon Deacons do you think have never eaten from a charcuterie board before? I guess it depends the sport. Like, I would say that... I'm talking just student body.
0: They've probably had a piece of cheese, a little piece of salami. I would say a lot of them.
1: Kind of surprising when we learned that about Matt. Not his cup of tea until he went on his first date in last night's episode. Queen Victoria was the story, though. She's taken a complete 180 turn here, Robert. Oh, my goodness. She was the most hated person in the house. Classic villain. But now she's become the leader of the house. She's become the leader where everybody likes what Victoria is selling. Why? Because they found somebody that they dislike more. And Victoria isn't the girl that just gossips about people. She will te- she will say what everybody's gossiping about to your face. That's what Victoria's about. And she had a number of lines, Robert. Some of which I have to bleep out here because it was bleeped out on the show. Well, Let's hear it. If Matt sends home Sarah, I'm going to want to bleep
0: him. Like she wasn't already in for that. Sarah doesn't need Matt. She needs Xanax. (laughs) That's
1: pretty good. I like that. Who who has this chick in the draft? Does anybody have her? Nobody has Victoria in the draft. Then Serena P. got set to go on her one-on-one date. And when they're about to leave, she says to matt or excuse me tell serena can you tell matt that sarah sucks (laughs) just absolute savagery and you might be wondering sarah was sweet she got a one-on-one last week why is she hated now you might remember at the end of last week's episode she fell out she passed out during the rose ceremony. Didn't it go to, like, end the episode right then? Like, we didn't get to it find It ended, yeah. Out? We didn't find out anything more. So at the start of the episode, I was expecting people to show compassion for Sarah. No. Women are mean. They said, she's looking for attention. We're all... She already has a rose. Why did she fall out? Like, I swear, that's the way it was being presented on the show. So after that, Sarah has a bunch of anxiety about the show. It's weird seeing women talk about loving Matt when I also love Matt and I'm not on this group date. I wanna be there with Matt. So I'm just gonna go see Matt, even though it's not my date. She does that and the women lose their minds. Hold a minute. You already had a one-on-one date with Matt and you're gonna take up some of our time? Hell nah. Katie, she was having none of it. Said, All right, you're taking up some of our time. Can you please go now? And she said, Can I have about five more minutes? She says, Nah, you got two. You got two. And she stayed in the room as they were talking about private matters. So Sarah, she went home. She was one of my picks. She went home because she couldn't handle the house. The house hated her after doing that to the point where she didn't come downstairs, Robert, to be around the other girls. She just stayed up. She pulled a Kyrie Irving. Uh, I I can't be around the girls. I need to go stay up in my room. And then when she went back down, tried to apologize. I'm sorry for what happened. I feel terrible. I feel like I'm building a strong relationship with some of you in the house. Victoria interjects and says, Who are you talking to? Nobody here likes you. Just savage. Somebody says nobody knows who you are. Nobody likes you. Brutal. So she decided to go home on her own accord. What else did we have on the episode? Oh, yeah, I mentioned Serena P had a one-on-one date. Shockingly normal, Serena P, 23
0: years old. Isn't she on my team in the draft? She is on your team. Let's go. these
1: girls getting solo dates What I like to see. Also, there's controversy that we need to address. Oh, no. I have inside information that says you were given some information when making some of your picks. How would I have inside information? Well, there's spoilers that might be out there, and I may have learned anonymously that you uh, might have been given some help we making some of your picks.
0: Okay, that's ridiculous.
1: I, I don't even care enough about The
0: Bachelor to, to watch it. Why would I look up spoilers?
1: Well, you might have learned secondhand by somebody else who watches the show that you're around. Who else am I around? I don't know. It's just something... I, I'm just saying what my sources have told okay, me. Okay,
0: so your girlfriend thinks my girlfriend looked up spoilers to tell me? That's not my source. That... That's what it sounds like. Well, I'm telling you. Not I, I'll story. literally call Cheyenne right now and be like, have we ever discussed The Bachelor ever? She asked me what you talk about on The Bachelor Minute. I'll call her right now. She's off work. Hold on.
1: I didn't accuse your girlfriend.
0: No, who else would I talk to? That's what you just said. You're like, maybe it's someone else you talk to. I don't see Sawyer. I literally come to work and I see my girlfriend. Those are the only two people I see. So hold on. I'm about to call her.
1: Robert getting defensive here. I got a text message saying that that uh somebody knew that Abigail gets the first rose before the draft. How would I know that? Oh, well, there's there's spoilers that
0: are out there. I I think y'all are fit. Did y'all's people get voted off or something? Is that what No, no, offended? no. We
1: we still we're still all very much in the race. Just making sure that You didn't have any inside information on the way in, some insider trading here. That's what I hear, that you might have overheard some spoilers. I
0: I think that Sarah Bradford needs to slow her roll.
1: Wasn't Sarah Bradford.
0: If it's Sawyer, Sawyer needs to slow his roll. How would I why would I even care about these spoilers? You can take my whole team away. I do not care about this. I'm offended that someone thinks that I care enough about The I, Bachelor.
1: Again, I'm not accusing you. you I'm you. What is you, this? I'm telling you what my sources told me, and I'm asking right, you I'm questions. I'm tired of this word sources. It's one of two people. You don't know that. I do. Who else would care enough to think that I was doing something? Rule number one of journalism, Robert, you don't reveal your sources. This is ridiculous. It wouldn't be Sarah Bradford because she doesn't talk to you.
0: I, I don't know who else it could be. Then I'll call
1: Sawyer. It might even be people in your home, Robert.
0: <laughs> who else would it be? I'm telling you, the only people I talk to is Cheyenne, my girlfriend. What are you talking about?
1: So let me... let
0: me. This just... is so cagey. I would rather just get everything out Let than me being...
1: a- Let me ask a question. Did you have no information about The Bachelor going in?
0: Hell no. All right. How would I have had... I, I, I literally don't
1: even know Just where. answer the question. I Okay. That's all, that's all I needed to know. I'm looking I, at
0: you right in the eyes. Y'all can't see this, but I'm looking right at Josh. Ask I trust me you. any
1: questions you want. Well, I read Talking with Strangers, the Malcolm Gladwell book. There's misnomers that you can figure out whether or not someone's lying by looking into their eyes. Well, look at me. I believe you, Robert. I trust you. If you I say, hope you don't believe me. If I you, hope that you think that if you say, if you say you didn't look up spoilers, I'll believe
0: you. This is how into the bachelor Josh is. I have finally done so well in this bachelor draft, and now he's offended. And I, never, I it, I'm not offended. And it has to be that I cheated somehow I, because there's no way I could have just picked girls who liked the Raptors or liked. I had a pet chicken.
1: You, you got. Um, you're doing really well in this in this draft. I'm just asking the questions. Don't be offended at the questions. I trust you. I should be offended at the question because they are
0: finger-pointy in nature. They're Uh, like, hey, did you know anything? Did
4: you know anything about The Bachelor before the season started?
1: Someone wise once said that if you've done nothing wrong, then you have nothing to worry about. All right, we're just going to start throwing allegations out. I didn't throw out an allegation.
0: What what is this then? I asked a question. Okay, I'm going to start asking questions then.
1: Please ask a question.
0: Uh, But it has nothing to do with The Bachelor. Uh, Josh, is it true you only mute yourself on Zoom calls to silence your farts?
1: And that's been The Bachelor Minute. Robert's upset. Why he ended the music abruptly. I'm not saying you're guilty, but... You're your look on your guilty. face
0: is saying I'm guilty.
1: You're acting guilty. Okay, if, if we think
0: I'm guilty, then there's only one way to do it, and that's to prove that I'm guilty. I believe you. I don't think you do.
1: I actually do, though. See, you're somebody that would own up to it if you if you did something wrong.
0: No, I'm somebody that would lie the whole way through this and then come forward about it if I won. If we're being really true about who I am, that's what I would do if I cheated. <laughs>
1: We'll find out at the end of the season then. Up next, how Roy Williams' thoughts on Steve Forbes turned into Steve Forbes talking about chicken pox. This is a Tuesday Drive.